0: Now, this discussion that we are about to have here, I'm going to give a little bit of a warning about this. Once again, we're going to talk about this story about the video footage that's caused so much anger in the past week. And so the discussion, the audio, all of that, it may be distressing for some listeners. You may find it upsetting. So listener discretion is advised. So let's go back to the story in regards to the video footage that everyone is talking about with anger. This is the footage of an RCMP officer in Kelowna interviewing an underage Indigenous teenager who is trying to tell him that she has been sexually assaulted. Uh, she is in the care of the child welfare system at the time of this video. But the line of questions asked by the police officer is it was gotten people so Angry. Uh, once again, we're going to give you play you a little clip of this, but a warning: it could be upsetting for some people. And it's running for about a minute or so. Have a listen.
1: Were you at all turned on during this at all, no. even a little bit? No. Physically, you weren't at all responsive to his advances, even maybe um, subconsciously. Maybe subconsciously, but no, not. I was really scared. Okay, because you understand that. When a guy tries to have sex with a female and the female is completely unwilling, it's very difficult, right? Yeah, yeah, it hurt a lot. It hurt a lot? At the beginning? For the whole thing. Is part of the reason you came up with this in the first place and told us about, and told your foster dad about this, is because you were scared you might be pregnant and you needed the pill? No, it was more because I just got taken advantage of and I didn't consent to it, I was just really scared at the time. I don't want you to lie. I want no lies. I'm not lying,
0: though. I didn't consent to this. Outrageous. Every time I hear this, it makes my blood boil. I mean, there have been political denunciations of this, uh, but what the RCMP haven't really responded forcefully, I would say, on this particular topic, but we wanted to talk more about it today. Joining us is Mary Ellen Turpel-Lafond, lawyer, judge, former child representative for BC. We've spoken to her many times now, professor at UBC's School of Law. Uh, Mary Ellen, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Simi. I'm sure you heard a lot about this today. I was thinking about the date on this story, too. I mean, 2012, that was right around the time that you were bringing a lot of cases like this to light.
1: Yes, Simi, and this is one of the cases I did report on. I did a comprehensive report. One of my last reports as I was leaving 10 years serving B.C. um, on sexualized violence against children in care Um, and this case was one of the more than 100 cases I reported on of sexualized violence against those kids, uh, including reporting on issues like investigations, police interviews, and so forth that were substandard. So this went on to a civil lawsuit, and the material became disclosed to the B.C. courts because the young woman at the center of that matter has since sued uh, with respect to the treatment that she received in care. Now she
0: didn't she was in care she didn't have a representative with her like how many failings in the system do you see in that case?
1: Well this case um because again, I can I was aware of it um I think it's emblematic of a a very serious problem which is First of all, you know, blaming the victim is something that we need to be very careful about here. But the idea about, you know, did you enjoy it? you sure you didn't want this? you sure you're not lying? These questions perpetuate certain sort of myths about sexual abuse and sexual victimization of young people. Uh, And we have to remember, Simi, for kids in care and young, um, particularly for Indigenous girls in care, they may have experienced sexual violence, um, which caused them to come into care to begin with, and um, the degree of trauma in their lives lives is very high so this type of aggressive incompetent interviewing not only is harmful to the young person but it may cause them to not call the police in the future when they're victimized because the experience is so unpleasant and certainly young people in care and indigenous girls in care have told me that repeatedly that they feel re-victimized when they reach out for help
0: so you don't think this was an isolated case
1: This was absolutely not an isolated case. And if you go back to that report I tabled in 2016, it was thorough and addressed all of those concerns and, you know, I've had other cases. I had a case of a young girl that committed suicide in the interior. She reported a sexual assault at, a, at her school, where she was sexually assaulted um, in a room at her school during school hours. And um, she was, you know, put in a police cell and interviewed as though she was, um, you know, the accused. And she was very traumatized by many things in her life, but that sexual violence was a contributing factor in her later taking her own life in utter despair. So I think we need to recognize that um, this interview, I think it has brought into the public attention again, the fact that we do not have adequate supports. I mean, if you happen to live in a place where there's a child advocacy center, you know, Sheldon Kennedy in Alberta has been very active. He stepped away recently, but setting up sexual assault advocacy centers. These are really helpful services and supports in our community. But for a lot of Indigenous girls and young women and those in care, they're not in locations where they can get to those centers and get the support that they need so right. that they're not interviewed alone.
0: Do you think anything has changed? I mean, the RCMP came out this week and said, oh, we've implemented new training and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But do you think anything has
1: changed? Um, i'm not I'm not confident about that. I think one of the things I was concerned about it was, you know, I did this comprehensive report, the first of its kind in 2016. Um, I also testified as an expert witness at the missing murdered women's inquiry. They had a special hearings on sexualized violence uh, toward ch- uh, young girls in care. Um, and one of the issues that I was very concerned about was like you know I was never called in for a debrief with the RCMP. Um, in BC, of course, RCMPs are contract police. Um, But, you know, one would have expected to see a more robust kind of approach to that. And so if they have implemented changes and so forth, they certainly haven't tracked and reported on them. And I also found many instances where, for instance, there was a sexual assault, but we couldn't get a qualified police officer to respond and interview the young person, you know, maybe until two weeks later, and then you, they drift away and they don't want to stay in the system. So, I, I mean, I like to hope there are changes, but the actual evidence of those changes, um, I haven't seen that yet to be able to say that's a fair comment.
0: So even though there's been all this outrage this week, politicians saying this can never happen, do you think anything will actually change? Like is this a good thing that this has been brought to light this week?
1: Well, I think it's a, I think it's important it gets brought to light because I think the, you know, nothing speaks louder than the video that demonstrates the just the kind of incredible um, oppressiveness of this type of questioning and how it is in, in such an insult to the dignity of this young woman who is literally reduced to tears by having her story not just tested in a, in a normal, ordinary way, but utterly disbelieved and having an aggressive line of questioning. So I think the public seeing it might be helpful. The downside though is that, you know, the, the response is just too minimal And I know next month, Simi, the Missing Murdered Women's Inquiry will be reporting. I'm sure they'll be looking at issues of sexualized violence. Um, But I also feel that, you know, we, we, we cannot be kind of comforted into thinking that the world is a much different place in a few years because we continue to see very low clearance rates for sexual assault in B.C., And we continue to see high levels of sexual violence against particularly Indigenous girls and women in care.
0: So do you think if a young girl, in particular if a young Indigenous girl today reported to the police a sexual assault, do you think she'd be treated differently?
1: Well, it depends on where she is and who's with her. You know like if it if it was a girl in care with no supports i mean it's it's really going to be a difficult situation I mean, if it wasn't a, you know someone who had strong supports of like I said a child advocacy centre, those kinds of supports and services, and were interviewed in a proper setting with properly trained people, that would be great but i I don't think we can take for granted that the supports are there and um i think we need to build those supports out you know for a long time we as you know from my role over a decade mm-hmm. there was a lot of chopping of things for children because they were considered to be you know penny wise and we found out later pound foolish but with respect to these issues these are public services that we need to have when you cut them you don't train people you don't set out proper protocols then kids really do suffer and a pathway to ongoing victimization for these girls is not dealing with them well the first time they have a complaint because then they're very easily preyed upon after that.
0: Mary Ellen, thanks for your time on this today.